Hello, everyone. Welcome to Refuge Church Online. We're so glad that you chose to join us uh, today. Uh, today, we pray, as always, that you feel God's love, you hear God's voice, and that your faith is encouraged. Uh, if you can, and if you will, please share this message out with others uh, so that their faith can be encouraged by God's truth as well. Uh, today, we continue a message series that we, that we started last Sunday uh, entitled, God's Dream his church, God's dream, his church. And we started out this series with a foundational message that if you've not already listened to, I need you to go back and listen to. And it was entitled, The Church Is. What we discovered through God's word, not my opinion, but God's word, is that the church, it is a very big deal. In fact, Jesus loves the church, as we said, and therefore we as Christians should love the church. But we looked at the fact that the church is God's people on God's mission, being God's hope to the world. Through the church, which is made up of people who profess Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, God calls us to, to come together as the body of Christ, as a family of believers. And therefore, that's why we become, through Christ, spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. And we come together for a cause much greater than ourselves. In fact, the cause is not agendas that we have, but it is about the cause of Christ, which leads to the hope of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Now, I want to share something just early on in this message that God put on my heart just a couple hours ago. I don't even have it in my notes, and that's this, that the greatest hindrance of the church being able to be the church that it needs to be are the people who sit inside of it. The greatest hindrance to the church is actually the people who sit inside of it. I, I hope your prayer is just like my prayer is, and that is this, that I'm not one of those people that hinders the church, but that is a part of the church and, and one of the, 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 the players in the church that is truly seeking to, to be who and all that God has called me to be. So if you missed last week's message, please go back, listen to it. It is a foundational message, and each week's messages will be. So today we, we, we touch on another foundational matter that's going to uh, help you understand much more why I tell you that it is the people inside of the church that often are the greatest hindrance to the church. We're going to look at how to live with the character of Christ, because after all, we are called Christians, which mean little Christ. Today's message is entitled, Character Matters. Let's begin by looking at a clear, simple definition of the word character. The word character means the qualities that make a person different from others. Character is the qualities that make a person different from others. Now, I have preached a lot of funerals. And by a lot, I mean a couple hundred funerals. And what I've learned over time to do is that if I don't know the person well that I am um, uh, preaching their funeral or facilitating their funeral, I often say, you preach your funeral by the way you live. I just and others just facilitate um, your going home party. But each time I go to preach a funeral, I typically ask the closest of family or the closest of friends, people who really knew that person, hey, describe to me using single words the character of that person. For example, they might say that that person was kind or they were unselfish or they were very tough or passionate. 
Some might say, well, they were honest. Uh, they loved their family. They, they loved everybody. Or, 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 you know, the greatest thing you hear is when someone says, hey, they love the Lord. But as I thought about the hundreds of times that I've asked those questions, I realized that very rarely has anyone ever said that that person was a huge reflection of Jesus Christ that that person was Jesus with skin, that that person was obviously a child of God and was a great Christian and follower of Christ. Listen, since every true believer is called to reflect Jesus Christ, is called and to be a part of the body of Christ, I want to share with you from God's Word how to live like Christ, because maybe you don't know. Because, listen, our character it is what defines us. It is what separates us from other people. I wonder what those who know you best, if I asked them right now, describe to me your character, what would they say? Would it represent Christ or just your way of living? Now, I want to use the word character as an acrostic uh, to, to look at how we can live like Christ. First of all, the letter C. It stands for choose to follow Jesus. You and I, we have to first of all choose to follow Jesus. Because listen, until you even um, chose to believe and receive um, Jesus' forgiveness and the promise of eternal life, and, you, and until you've made Jesus your Savior and Lord, your faith life isn't going anywhere because you've not even become a true child of God. Listen, when Jesus extends his love, forgiveness, grace, and salvation to us, he doesn't tell us to go and fix ourselves or to just do this and do that. He simply says to us the same thing that he said to the earliest disciples. We find this in Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, if any, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. I want you to think about that. You know, uh, God doesn't call us all to the same things or to have the same personalities, but he calls all of us, though, not to just talk the talk, but to walk the walk. Many people, they claim that they know Jesus, but there's no sign that they have chosen to follow Jesus. Listen, to live Christ-like as anyone of the body of Christ should, we have to choose to follow Jesus, not just preach Jesus. Somebody needs to hear that right now. Listen, your actions will always speak louder than your words. No one wants to just hear you quoting Scripture they do need to see you living by example. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What is the apostle Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, um, follow my example, but understand that I'm striving to follow Christ's example. So as I lead you, it's not me that you're following, it's him that you're following because I'm following Christ. Listen, Jesus says, if anyone is to follow me, we have to choose to deny ourselves. Do you know what that means? It means you got to get over yourself. Life can no longer be about you and your agenda and your causes and what you want to do and what's on your bucket list. It's about daily surrendering and choosing to follow Christ. Now to do this, listen, this is very key. We have, to, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus has to be our standard, 
not comparing our lives to what everybody else is or is not doing, but what is Jesus telling me and what is he exemplified to me I should do? Listen, we can't be focused on what everyone or everything else that is going on uh, you know, and let our faith be based on what is going on around us or what other people do or do not do around us, we have to make sure that we decide to follow Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. We must choose to follow Jesus in everything. Following Christ, listen to this, it is not a one-time decision. It is not a Sunday thing. It is a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. It's not a one-time decision. It's a daily surrender, which brings me to this next point. The H stands for humble yourself daily before God. You and I, we have to humble ourselves daily before God, following Jesus and being where God wants you to be. It always is about alignment. It is all about you humbling yourself daily before God, saying, God, I lay everything down at your feet. Have your way. Accomplish your will. It's keeping the main thing the main thing, which is asking yourself this, are you walking humbly with God? Because out of everything on your checklist, that should be the first thing that you check. Micah 6.8 says, O people, the Lord has told you, what is good, and, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now listen to this. I think it's a huge relief the moment that you realize that God's not calling you to work for him. He's asking you and inviting you to walk with him and then let him work through you. It's a big difference. Listen, you can't walk with God without staying humble. I've got to give Tim McGraw props. You should always stay humble and kind. In fact, anytime you are full of pride, you're just full of yourself. You're not full of God. Listen, the only way you can be full of God is you have to empty yourself. Jesus demonstrated to us how to stay humble before God. Look at Philippians 2, 6 through 11. It says, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience. Listen, his humility before God, his surrender of everything to God led to his obedience to God. And it says, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, let me stop right here for a moment. Most people think that turning everything over to God just means that you're giving up your life when in reality, it's the key to discovering all that God has for your life. Let me explain this. Listen, the first step of getting up, no matter where you are in life, the first step towards getting up is to get down on your knees. Here's what happened because Jesus lived a humble daily surrender before God. Look at verse nine. It says, therefore, God elevated him. That jumped out to me. Because he humbled himself and was obedient, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue 
would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, the key to Jesus living out his God-given purpose is one of the biggest keys for us too, and that is humility. Humility. You have to keep humbling yourself before God so that God can elevate your life purpose and take you where he has for you. If Jesus had not stayed humble, he would have never made it to the cross. He would have messed up God's plans and you and I would have no sacrifice and forgiveness of sin and no hope for eternity in heaven. Listen, you can't walk with God without staying humble before God. You have to maintain this humble attitude of Christ. But, but letter A, it stands for this. Ask God to adjust your attitude. Every day, you need to ask God to adjust your attitude. Sometimes you're in a season where you've got to ask God to do that every minute because you, you, you've got something that's just gripped your heart, your mind, and, and you can't shake it because you're, you're human and, and you need God to help you. Listen, in other words, ask God to shape your attitude regardless of what you're thinking and make your attitude the attitude of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.5 says you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. What was that attitude? Jesus, he was a humble servant of God. He always prayed, not my will, but, but God's will be done. He always loved God and he loved people. He lived the truth, he spoke the truth, but he also did that with love. We need to make sure that our attitude and our life perspective reflects the attitude and life perspective of Christ. Otherwise, we're already unaligned with God's will because we have our perspective, our attitude instead of his. Listen, Jesus didn't live with a worldly mentality. Jesus lived with an eternal mindset. And he told us that we need to live for things that will matter truly later in eternity, not just for things that might matter to us right now. Jesus, he daily denied himself. He took up his cross and he sought to daily live out his God-sent purpose. But it was his humility before God that helped him be elevated towards the will of God. For the letter R, it stands for repent of your sins. Repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. Jesus, he was the only human being to ever live perfect. In this life, Jesus is the only person that ever lived a perfect, sinless life. The rest of us, we're all imperfect. The Bible says we're all sinners. And listen, sin not forgiven or sin not covered by the, the blood of Jesus Christ hinders our relationship with God. Listen, sin is something we'll always wrestle with this side of heaven. We have to keep dealing with our sin and turning from our sin because if we're, if we're willfully living in sin, I want you to hear this. If you're willfully living in sin, you cannot be actively living God's best and God's will for your life. The Bible says that fortunately, we can find forgiveness of our sins if we genuinely repent of that sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The only way you can draw closer to God is you have to turn from your sin, get forgiveness of that sin so that, so that you, an imperfect but forgiven soul can, can draw closer to a holy God. 
Sin always hinders your relationship with God. You can't live your way and keep expecting God's blessing along the way. So repentance is a constant um, uh, way of life. You know, I, I, don't, I can't remember any time in recent uh, history of my life that, that I've not had an attitude or action or perspective or something that I had to get God to change my attitude and I had to repent of and just say, God, you know, please forgive me of that. Help me turn from that way. I want to turn to your way. But next... Letter A, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Some of you, if you're old enough, you remember the what would Jesus do uh, bracelets. Uh, they would, it would say WWJD on them. Um, those were very, very um, uh, helpful things for many people. They'd wear them around their wrist um, and see that WWJD and, and remember, hey, I need to remember what would Jesus do because that's what matters. Listen, don't just act. We, we, right now we're in a crazy time in culture. Some of you need to hear this. Don't keep acting or don't keep reacting just like the rest of the world. How does that set you apart in character if you look like everybody else and you sound like everybody else? Instead, ask yourself with anything and everything, even if you're like, oh man, but I'm just so passionate about this and I'm so passionate about this, there's still only one way that's right and that's the Jesus way. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? And how would he do this? And leave this way he say this. Listen, aim with all your heart to love like Jesus, live like Jesus, and leave this world faithful to God like Jesus. Seek to be Jesus with skin to a world that desperately needs to see Christians in, in a right way. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love? any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Again, it's very important that the church is, is operating of one mind, one purpose, one heart. Verse three says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Basically, anytime we go to do anything or say anything, we should always ask ourselves, is this what Jesus would do? Whatever Jesus would do, we should do. I do realize that we don't always feel, I'm gonna give you a new word here, Jesus-y. Okay, I love making up words. We don't always feel Jesus-y, but we must die to our flesh and our maybe sinful impulses and choose to follow Jesus because he's the one that's supposed to be steerheading our lives and our faith. It's what separates true faith and true surrender from those who really haven't surrendered. But let us see, you need to care what God thinks the most. You and I, we need to care what God thinks the most. Now, that'll help you a lot in, 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 in all of life. That really kind of sets you free to live the moment that you realize that you should be living with an, for an audience of one. And that if you're going to choose that one audience, it's not about your spouse, it's not about your children, it's not about anybody here or there. Most of all, what does God see? And what does he think about your character? Because at the end of this life, as I always say, 
I'm not, and nobody else is going to be giving you your report card. You're going to stand before an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-just God. And it's only his opinion that'll matter. Romans 10, 14 says each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You've heard this said before. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Listen, you can't really say you're a wise person if you aren't caring more what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. Listen, once you take your last breath in this life, you will stand before God's eternal judgment seat and on judgment day, it won't matter what other people think, but it will matter what God thinks. Don't focus on what other people think. Focus on what God sees. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Listen, you know, it is true that all of us, we're always going to have critics. We're always going to have people that, that maybe evaluate us just based off a snapshot they got, and, and, and they may misunderstand us, and, and they might not see our real character. But it only matters that God knows you have character. Listen, integrity and character, it is seeking to do the right thing no matter what and no matter where life finds you in God's sight. Listen, reputation is what people think of you. Integrity is what God knows about you. We all need a healthy fear of the Lord to live with wisdom, integrity, and character in this life. Proverbs 9.10 says what many, many scriptures say repeatedly. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Do you know the most stupid people I know? The most stupid people I know are people who don't realize there is a God, but they're not him. That's the, that's the most foolish people living, are the people that just don't realize there is a God, they're not him, and that only what he thinks matters. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Meaning, until you got a healthy fear of the Lord and care most what he thinks all the time, anywhere, anyway, you can't have a sound mind. You can't have great discernment because you're marching to the beat of your own drum or you're being tossed to and fro by this culture. But the letter T, it stands for tell the truth and don't live a lie. You need to tell the truth and don't live a lie. So many people are living a lie and they are spreading lies. Now, I'm not going to be one that tells you that every time you lie, um, uh, you're going to be struck by lightning because if that was the case, we all wouldn't be breathing right now because we've all have told lies. We've all had truths or at least things that we spoke as if they were truth that weren't truth. But listen, one of the biggest things that God hates is lying. God will never bless someone who's living a lie. Only God's truth will set someone free. Look at Proverbs 6, 6 through 19. Proverbs 6, 6 through 19, or 16 through 19. It says, there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. By the way, I want to tell you something I've learned over time. The truth will ultimately work itself out. 
You don't have to go and try to prove yourself right if you know that you've, you, you're seeking and you have sought to make things right um, in God's eyes. You don't have to try to prove your points. Um, if you just let God take care of things, typically a man or a woman, we will reap what we sow. That's just the way it is. And, and some say, well, hey, you know, I know some people, they haven't reaped what they've sowed. Well, life's not over yet. And you don't see everything as well as they might not be finding the same eternity that you're going to find either. You know, listen, the bottom line is this, you know, God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what they sow. We don't have to play Judge Judy with anybody, but we need to make sure that we're living honest with God and before God and with others. But the letter E stands for expect the Holy Spirit to lead you. Expect the Holy Spirit to lead you. Now, this is one of my favorites because I think sometimes that we think that the Christian life is about just striving to do better and that the only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is this decision. Yes, the decision matters, but when you make a decision to admit your sin and to believe in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sin and the promise of eternal life, and you confess Jesus as your Savior and you make him your Lord, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God is sent to live within you. Jesus made it very clear that the Holy Spirit, which lives in every believer, it will lead you where God wants you. Listen, the Holy Spirit, it will lead you where God wants you. Many ask me, well, well, pastor, how will I know what God wants me to do? Well, outside of the clear principles and commands found in God's word, God next to his word, because God's word is the primary way that he speaks to us and he reveals his will, but God uses the Holy Spirit as a GPS to lead you and to lead me. Basically, we have this interior spirit of God that is able to speak to us. Listen, the Holy Spirit, it will correct you, convict you, it will teach you, it will show you the way that you are to go. Or the Holy Spirit may, may swell up within you and say, hey, that is not where you need to go. And you can't make sense of it, but you know that, that the Spirit of God is saying, hey, don't go there. John 16, 13, Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. By the way, talking about that the Holy Spirit won't speak on his own. The Holy Spirit will not lead you to do or say anything that is contrary to what God's word has already said to do or to not do. The two will not work in opposites with one another. The, the two will work in confirmation with one another. Listen, this life, it is hard. It is full of disappointments, challenges, trials, and it's really easy to give in to our fleshly desires and feelings. And, and I don't have it up on the screen, but Jesus said this in Matthew 26, 41. He says, keep watching, pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Listen, our bodies, our flesh are weak, so we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to live out the faith. Listen, as believers in Jesus Christ, there's always this battle going on inside of us between the spirit of God and the sinful nature of our flesh. But we aren't called to be led by the flesh. We're, we're called to be led by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 18 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Listen, you're always going to have cravings. 
you've got to make sure you're in tune to the Spirit so that you don't give in to those cravings. Verse 17 says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. Listen, when we are led by the Spirit, the Bible says this is what it will look like. Here's, here's some characteristics that the fruit of the Spirit will, will manifest in our lives. Verse 22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I want you to hear that. God's trying to tell you, you need to follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of your life. Listen, we can't be like Jesus in the flesh by just trying to do good. We need the empowering and the real in-tune, in-step guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, God allows hardships in our lives to produce and build our character. And it's also through those hardships that our character is revealed. God gives every true believer in Christ the help that they need with the Holy Spirit to have the grace that they need, to have the strength that they need, to have the discernment they need as you go through certain hardships. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because, listen to this, it says he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill in our hearts with his love. You know how I have and am able to love anybody, no matter what they've ever done or no matter what they ever would do, because the Spirit of God lives within me and that Spirit makes me able to love and want to love. Listen, I have prayed the following scripture so many times in my life. And maybe you'll find it necessary in your life. Psalm 43.10 says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on to a firm footing. Maybe where you are in life right now, you're just needing to ask God, hey, God, lead me by your spirit. I can't see but the next step in front of me, or I can't even see that. Lord, keep me steady. Lead me forward on to a firm footing. But last but not least, the letter R stands for remember who you represent. As Christians, as the church, as the body of Christ, we have to keep remembering who we represent. If you call yourself a Christian and you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Bible says you are no longer just anybody, but you are a spiritually reborn child of God, and you're not your own. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God brought you, he bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Listen, if the Spirit of God truly lives within you, your life 
if you're being led by that spirit, should reflect that spirit. You have to constantly remind yourself who you represent. You are God's representative. You have, you have been left on earth to represent Christ. Otherwise, God would have just beamed you on up to heaven. But God has a purpose and a plan for you, even after your salvation. And that is to now be a vessel that he can use to be the hands, the feet, and the mouthpiece of Christ. Listen, you may be the only Jesus someone sees at your home, at your school, at your work, in the community. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.20, it says, we are Christ's representatives. And through us, God is calling you. We beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited with God. Listen, like a soldier in the armed forces is no longer just a a civilian when they're in that uniform. Once a man, woman, boy, or girl gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ, they have pledged their heart to God. They have said from this point forward, for better, for worse, no matter what anybody else does or does not do, whatever changes, whatever doesn't change in this world, Jesus, I will seek you. I will follow you all the days of my life until I see you face to face. We have to remember that we are soldiers in the army of God. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We have been enlisted in God's army to live out the will of God, to be his ambassadors, to represent him to a lost world. Listen, too often professing Christians, they act like the rest of the world. They live like the rest of the world when God has called us to live like the called out ones. God has called us to be set apart. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, Take your part in suffering as a loyal soldier of Christ Jesus. Are you a loyal soldier of Jesus Christ? Not a part-timer, a full-timer. Listen, I don't preach the gospel. I seek to live the gospel. I don't, I don't try to just put on a face to you saying, hey, um, listen, I'm just thinking about following Christ right now. No, I'm thinking about following Christ morning, day, and night. It is a lifestyle, it's not an event to me because God's word has revealed to me that I need to be a loyal soldier of Christ, a soldier on active duty. Some of you, you need to become active and quit just contextualizing when you wanna follow Christ. A soldier on active duty wants to please his commanding officer and so does not get mixed up in the affairs of, a, of civilian life. I'm afraid to have to say it, but I'm going to say it to some of you because you need to hear it. Too many of you who, who are good intending Christians, you're too caught up in a civilian world. You're too caught up in all these debates here and there, and you're doing nothing for the cause of Christ except adding fuel to the division and two, the the veering away of what really matters. It doesn't matter if you win a debate. It doesn't matter if you're just right and they're wrong. What matters is are you representing Christ and are you on active duty or do you compartmentalize your faith so often? Listen, don't allow yourself to get so consumed and contaminated by the world that you quit living to please your commanding chief and commanding officer, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to wrap this up with two questions that a Christian should ask themselves. The first question is this, how is my character different from the world? How is my character different from the world? What about my life sets me apart from most? Does it look like I'm chasing the American dream or is it evident that I'm seeking God's dream, God's plan, and that Jesus is my Savior and Lord? 
with those around me, have no doubt. But secondly, does my character reflect Jesus Christ? Does your character reflect the one that you say you represent? Don't be so quick to say you're a Christian if you aren't acting like one. Nobody likes hypocrisy. You're never going to have the peace of God either, by the way, as long as you're living a hypocritical life. Are you walking humbly with God? Are you daily taking up your cross, denying yourself, and choosing to follow Jesus? Do you just talk the talk of the Christian life, or do you seek to walk the walk with the empowering of the Holy Spirit to let Jesus operate through you? After all, we are the church. We are all called to love, lift, and lead other people to Jesus Christ. This begins by seeking to reflect Christ in everything that we do and say, I want you to hear this today, church. The church, it is God's dream. It is God's mission. And it is God's people all working together to point people to the hope found only in Jesus Christ. Listen, God has a dream for his church and he has a dream for every believer and their part to play in the church. I ask you, are you choosing to play your part. Would you pray with me, please? Dearly Father, God, right now, Lord, I pray that, that, that um, Lord, as I've uh, faithfully communicated the words and the message that you have given to me, Lord, I pray that it, 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 it would be received from you by them. God, I pray each person listening right now, Lord, would know how much you love them. Lord, they would understand that you love them so much and you want to spend eternity with them forever so much, Lord, that you were willing to allow your son, Jesus, to die so that, Lord, if they'll admit their sin and believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of their sin, God, that, that, that you, Jesus, would become their Savior and their Lord. Lord, they would be able to spend eternity in heaven by your grace through faith in Christ alone. But, Lord, also I pray, Lord, that each person listening, Lord, that is already a believer in Christ would understand, God, you didn't just save them to wait on heaven. Lord, you've left them here for such a time as this to be your body, God, to be your vessels, to be Jesus with skin. God, I pray each of us, God, would, would truly uh, press, Lord, the, the active soldier button and truly Get on board with you fully, God, not wasting the precious moments we have, God, but seeking to allow you to get a hold of us and to lead us. God, as we humble ourselves before you, God, you will elevate your plan and take us where we couldn't take ourselves. God, I just pray your blessings upon all that are listening right now. Meet their needs, lead their lives. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Amen. Now I want to thank all of you for for joining us again today. Again, if you've um, got a way of sharing this message out with others, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's through YouTube or uh, Spotify, uh, would love for you to, to um, share that out. I also, I normally don't mention this. For those of you that um, are seeing this message um, on uh, the PRTC uh, cable station, uh, it's certainly been great to me to hear from some of you of, of how God is speaking to you through the messages that we're now able to provide through that venue. Uh, so, and, and I say all that to say this, um, while our church has literally been shut down for 10 and a half months as far as the fact that we've not met inside of a physical facility together, we're still meeting in a parking lot, still doing tons of things online, Trust me when I tell you this, Refuge Church is more a church now than it ever was before because church is not a place, 
church is a people. And as long as people are being loved, lifted, and led to Jesus Christ, the church is alive and well. We've got some really big announcements coming. We've got some great things coming down. You're going to see how God has showed up, and he's about to show out. Uh, but I want you to know that, that, listen, we can't continue on with this mission without each of us uh, seeking to sacrificially support this endeavor and this mission. So to each of our ministry partners, first of all, I want to thank all of you who uh, believe in this vision. You seek to live out this vision of loving, lifting, and leading people to Christ in your everyday life. And I want to thank you for your support of this vision, your time, your talents, and your financial giving. If you'd like to give a tax-deductible gift to support this ministry as we really are getting ready to make some big strides forward, you can do so by going to refugechurch.org slash giving or you can simply text the word give that's g-i-v-e to 843-806-0831 or you can mail a check to 203 eddie chastain drive walterboro south carolina 29488 listen if there's ever been a time that the people of god need to rise up and get on board with the mission of god it's now. I pray God's blessings upon you, your family, and your friends. God bless.